We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. John Pastor. Some of you going to go, he messed with me today. So, how many know the gospel is good news? Good, good news. Sometimes you get a spoonful of sugar, helps it go down. Today, the title of my message is My Two Sons. My Two Sons. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 15. We know Luke chapter 15 is called the chapter of the lost. But don't draw any conclusions just yet. Verse 11, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of this estate. So he divided this property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. He was a young, rich boy. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now, I've been heard it preached to where he ate what the pigs were eating. He didn't. He didn't even get what the pigs were eating. But when he came to his senses, I love it when people come to their senses, don't you? He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out, go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Now look at this next phrase. Here's what he's going to say. He's got this prep speech. He's ready to go. I am no longer worthy. Wow. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf, kill it. Let's have a feast. Celebration. Isn't that wonderful? Celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and now he's found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and the dancing. So he called to one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father's killed the fattened calf because he is back safe and sound. And the older brother was so excited. No. The older brother was so angry and refused to go in. So his father went out, pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look. All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. Isn't that wonderful? Hmm. 
The younger son, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. But how many know that when you're family, you're family? Family is not what you do. Family is who you are. I want you to get that. It's not what you do, but it is who you are. When the father saw him, he ran, he hugged him, he kissed him, he killed the fattened calf, and he said, celebrate. The older son was not happy. He said, I've been slaving for you. As a matter of fact, if you notice in the story, he didn't even go to the father. He went to the servant. So what's all this music? What's all this partying? Why is the thumping going on? He heard it from the fields. And he said, well, your brother's come home. What? See, he didn't even talk to the father. Now, how many know that the gospel can be offensive? If we're not careful, there can be a little bit of Pharisee in all of us. Religion can get into all of us if we're not careful. We can begin to get shook up. And I got to tell you, it's okay to be shaken. If you would have come Wednesday night, I was talking about we're the salt. The only way to get salt out of the shaker is what? Shake it. Sometimes we need sermons that shake us up a little bit. And this may shake up a few. But this is basically a parable about what? Grace. Aren't you glad for God's grace? Hallelujah. The grace of God. It's unlimited. And sometimes we make decisions in life and we don't really consult with God and, and we go through these decisions. And then when we get the consequences, we look to our Father and go, why did you let this happen? God goes, I didn't do this. You made your own choices. You got yourself in this situation. We want to be able to make our own choices, but we don't want to have to go through this, the consequences of those choices. And grace is this. It allows us to make our own choices. Even after salvation, you can still make your own choices as to where you go, what you do, and, and who you are. But I thank God for grace. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my sins. So we have the father. Here he goes. He runs with compassion and he hugs him. I preached this a couple of weeks ago. Jesus arrives right on time. The father saw him. He runs toward him. He hugs him and he kisses him. And how many know that in this story, Jesus is trying to show us the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God operates different than we operate. Every instance. And so the Father runs. And we know that the Father represents who? God. So God runs toward us. When he sees us coming toward him, God runs toward us. We may be walking, God starts running. And when he gets there, he hugs us up with compassion and he gives us a big old holy kiss from the Father. I mean, a loving, gracious Father. In the Jewish culture, it was not proper for the Father to lift his robe and expose his legs. But God, the Father, in order to run, you got to pull up your robe a little bit Expose those calves all the way up to me to take off running. God does not really care about human religion and human tradition. Jesus didn't care about it in his day either. He said, that's my son. That's my son. He was dead and he's alive. Pulls the robes up and starts running. I tell you what, today we can get a little messed up with religion 
If we're not careful, we can say, oh, the pastor said what? Oh, the pastor did what? He exposed his legs on the platform? No, I'm not gonna do that. Thank God for grace, amen? But I am gonna tell you, God is not worried about our culture. The kingdom of God is not about our culture. And so many times we let our culture come in and dictate what we do in the church. We cannot let that happen. He was not worried about it, but he hugged him and he kissed him. And that hug represented restoration. I am restoring you as my son, not as a servant. And the father says, get the ring, the robe, kill the fatted calf, get the sandals, celebrate. Where's the DJ? Let's party. And the Pharisee and all of us would go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This is not fair. How many of you have ever thought that? Hey, this isn't fair. I'm just as good as she is. I'm just as good as he is. And, and, and they're getting fatted calf and they're, they're getting robes and rings and sandals and, and I get nothing. I've been slaving around here. Hold on. We gotta watch it because the kingdom of God is different. So he says, get the ring. The ring represents authority. In order to, to seal a letter, you'd put the wax seal on there and you'd seal it with the ring. And the father says, I want him first of all to have the authority of the father back in his life. Whenever he speaks to a servant, I want that servant to know that is my son and whatever he asks for, he gets. Whatever he needs, he gets. Now church, I'm gonna start preaching in just a minute because God, when he wraps his arms around you and me, the first thing he says is get a ring. I want you to put on the ring. It represents the father. It represents authority. Today, you and I, we are sons and daughters of a most high God. He has brought us in with compassion. He has wrapped his arms around us, put a ring on our finger and said, hey, whatever you ask, for on earth it shall be done in heaven we've got authority we invoke the name of our father and the last time I checked he has no insufficiencies he has no weaknesses he will do what he says he will do the problem is we make bad choices and we hang out with the pigs instead of going home and getting a ring it's time for us to go back home, let the Father see with swift compassion, wrap his arms around us and give us a ring and get back into that prayer place where we stand in authority and power because it's not by my might, it is not by my power, but it is by the Spirit of God. It is by my Father's name. My Father has all authority over heaven and earth in his name. Hallelujah, the ring. And then he said, get some sandals. Now, sons wore sandals, servants didn't. He's not telling them to get them the shoes of a servant. No, getting the sandals, restoring sonship because servants have to, sons get to. Hallelujah. We get to love the Father. We get to serve the Father. We get to have his authority in our lives. We don't have to. And we sometimes in church go, well, I have to do this or I have. No, you get to. You get to be a greeter in the house of God, in the Father's house. You get to be an usher. You get to sing. You get to praise. You get to teach. Whatever it is that God brought you in here to do, you get to do it. Why? Because look at what God has done to me. I was lost. I was dead. But I am found and I am alive. And today I give him all the glory, honor, power, and praise. Hallelujah. I've got sandals on my feet. And then he said this, kill the fattened calf. Well, that has a lot of significance. Fattened calf. You see, in that culture, 
the fattened calf was reserved for the meal of a king. And the lesser people sacrificed the calf for the greater person, the king. I'm about to get happy. But here the father says, I want, I want to kill the fattened calf. I want veal on the plate because my son has come home and he's a king in my eyes. So the greater was sacrificing for the lesser. It messed with all of culture, but the father looks at you and I today, and he goes, hey, I love you. You are to be priests. You are to be kings. You are to be rulers that have authority, and I'm gonna sacrifice for you because I'm the greater, but I'm sacrificing for the lesser because I want you to live in the presence of my anointing, in the presence of my blessing. I want you to know that when you eat, it's the king's plate you're eating at today. Hallelujah. We don't get the crumbs. We don't have to beg. We walk in, sons and daughters, and sit down at the table, and the Father has brought sacrifice for the lesser. Then he kissed him. This showed reconciliation. Peace from God with God. This is God's peace toward us. Peace that surpasseth all understanding. You see, the brother couldn't understand this. Most people today in churches can't understand, but God has peace toward us. He has compassion. And sometimes we look around and go, well, what are they doing in the church? I know what they've done. I know where they've been. I know what they smell like. I know what they look like. But he kissed him, showing grace. And the father said, hey, let's, Throw a party. Now, some people think, well, the church ought to be quiet. And the church. Where in the, I find no instances. The place was jumping. The father's like, kill the fattened calf. I want the place to be, get the best DJ you got. Get the speakers out. I want to turn on the lights, turn on the show. It's a party. I don't care if you're doing the Charleston. I don't care if you're doing bebopping. I don't care if you're popping and locking or doing the dubstep or flossing. I don't care. But get your dance on because that which was lost has been found. Hallelujah. Can we celebrate just a little bit? That which was dead, he's alive. Hallelujah. There ought to be the biggest celebration in churches. Better than the casinos, better than the bars and the nightclubs. This ought to be the loudest happening place on the weekends. Mm. You're going to get there. Grace. And then we find this other son. I call him a prodigal too because there's two sons, remember? There's one that's lost to rebellion and there's one that's lost to religion. He's caught up in culture. And the father runs to both of them. He ran to the one afar off, but then he heard about the other son talking to the servant, and so the father runs to him. Says, hey, son. But the older son had a problem. He said, dad, this is just not fair. Jesus told us over and over and over, the kingdom of God does not work like this earthly kingdom does. Things work different. Remember the, the, the story about how they were hiring people to work all day? And there were those that were hired in the morning and, and they said, well, we'll pay you this much for all day. Oh, praise God, I got a job today, hallelujah. I'm gonna get paid at five o'clock. 
Well, then at noon, they needed more workers. So they went and hired some more workers at noon. And they come in, here's, they got paid the same as the guy starting at seven o'clock in the morning. So they come in, hey, we got paycheck. We're gonna get a paycheck, five o'clock. It's awesome, praise God. And then five minutes before quitting time, they hired some more workers. And they got paid the same as the ones who hired on at noon and the ones that hired on at seven o'clock in the morning. And they, they were like, woo we got paid for five minutes of work, praise God. And the ones got hired on the morning, they'll wait a minute. This ain't fair. I want some more money. Jesus said, this is how the kingdom works. It's not fair, but God is just. The older son, I've been slaving for you. This was his picture of his position. I have been slaving for you, dad. And I haven't even gotten a young goat. You didn't give me even a goat and now you're killing the fattened calf? Now it was the responsibility of the older son to host this party. According to culture, he should have been the one throwing the party. He should have went and got the DJ, got all the, the singers, got all the music, got all the lights, got everything jumping in the house. He should have done it, but this parable doesn't even say he made it to the party. Be careful that your religion keeps you out of heaven. Be careful that your opinion toward God is, I've been serving you since I was a child. And this is how I get treated? I'm the one that's always there early to church. They come in at five minutes till 12. I'm the one who cleans the kitchen. I'm the one who mows the yard. I'm the one who, I'm up there intercessory praying. Oh, and they're watching football at home. It's not fair. Why do they get healed and I don't? You see, a son gets to, but a servant has to. The older son was judgmental. Jesus encountered this kind of people all the time. Paul had them follow him from town to town to town, remember? They just didn't bother him in one town. They go, oh, he's headed to Ephesus? Let's go. He gets to Lydia and Lystra and all those places. And you know what they do to him? They take up a big offering and celebrate for Paul. No, no, no. They take and pull him out of town, stone him. And I believe in my studies, he was actually dead. They killed him and they walked off. I believe God raised him from the dead. That's just my opinion. You can believe whatever you want to. Paul encountered this. Guess what? It hasn't changed. Churches still encounter people who get caught up in legalism, who get caught up in religion, who get caught up in, well, it's not fair. Hey, the kingdom of God is not fair. But if we are sons and daughters, it is not what we do, it is who we are. My approval today does not come from my brother or my sister. My approval today comes from my father. And my father's running toward me, chasing me down, hugging me up. He's got a ring, he put it on my finger. And when I pray, all hell begins to shake loose because a child of God, a son of God, just called on his father's name. Hallelujah. It's time to celebrate. Time to celebrate. So today I want to give you a quick illustration. I've got a helper with me today. If he would, please come out. Uh, I hope Thomas is ready. Thomas, he's not doubting today. He's just a regular, oh, he's just now leaving. He wasn't paying attention to my message. He'll be back around in just a minute. While he's going, let me, let me explain something to you. So we back this thing up. In the garden, what happened in the garden? God created Adam and Eve. God gave them his glory 
And he said, you can partake of everything in the garden except this one tree. Don't mess with it. How many know that Adam and Eve went over there? Eve was talking to the serpent. This week I was pondering. How many of you ever pondered something? I was pondering. If God created Adam and Eve, how intelligent do you think they were? Super highly intelligent people because God created them. Adam was naming everything. I don't know if he gave him the scientific name for it, but he was naming everything. How many of you like to come up with that stuff? Every day. You know he was tired when he looked at this little bug and said, mm, fly. I'm out of stuff to call it. Fly. <laughs> you know it's kind of way down there when he starts naming fly. Fly. What does he do? He flies. So he's a fly. But they were super intelligent. And the enemy was even able to tempt their high intelligence. And so because of their intelligence, they decided we need to do something. So what did they do? They created a covering, right? They created a covering out of fig leaves. And so God comes down in the evening and he says, hey, Adam, Eve, where are you? And they hid themselves from God. Because they don't understand relationship yet. They think God's about to kill them. He finds them and he says, who told you that you had sinned? Who revealed this to you? How? And they felt that. And God said, I want to do something about it. So Thomas, are you ready? I'm waiting on you. The whole church is waiting on you. There you are. All right. So here we have it. Adam and Eve sinned. In the garden. So what does God do? He says, I'm going to make a covering for it. So God, the greater, sacrifices an animal for the lesser. And then he takes that skin and he covers. Here, put this on. He covers their sin. There you go. Make it look sharp. Mm-hmm. Looking good, looking good. Your sin's covered. Nobody will know it's in there. And that's what we do in religion. We have our sins, our hidden sins that we think nobody knows about because we can go to church and hide it. And nobody, hey, good morning. Oh, hallelujah, brother, sister, praise God, hallelujah. God is good. And what we do is we do things ourselves to fix it ourselves. And it looks kind of white, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I, I, I'm kind of, no, it's without spot or wrinkle. It's supposed to be white, white. But we've covered this. In the New Testament, we find that God says, wait a minute, the skins of the animals not good enough because I don't want to cover sin anymore. And so the Father, who is the greater, comes down and says, I want to reveal your sins, but I, the Father, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, I'm about to sacrifice for the lesser. And so he sends his only begotten Son, and just like he cut that animal and sacrificed the skins, the father allowed his son to be cut. And the Bible tells us that when he cut, blood and water flowed. And God himself grabbed the veil at the top and rent it all the way down to the bottom. And he removes our sin and cast it as far as the east 
is from the rest, and now we are the righteousness of God. Come on, hallelujah. Our sin is not covered up anymore. Our sin has been removed. Pray, oh, come on, get to your feet and celebrate. Thank you, buddy. Come on, stand to your feet this morning and celebrate that God does not cover your sins, but he removes your sins as far as the east from the west, never to be remembered again. Come on, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Celebrate that which was lost has been found. That which was dead is alive. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, some people will get messed up because there's a little Pharisee. Don't sit down. We're still good. Hey, I went to Chi Alpha Thursday night. We stood for two hours. They can handle it, can't they? Come on. You're standing in the presence of a king. King is in this house. We honor him by our standing. Some people get caught up in religion, go, wait a minute, that's not fair. Some people look around and we judge others. Listen, the, the older son had a judgmental spirit. The younger son said, I'm not worthy. And the father says, oh, you're my son. It's not because of what we do. That's self-righteousness and that is filthy rags in God's eyes. And sometimes we try to cover our sins by, well, I'll, I'll volunteer more at the church. You know, it's not what we do. Well, I'll pray more. I'll, I'll witness more. I'm, well, I'm going to write a big old check today. It's not what we do. It is who we are in Christ. When the Father looks at us, he calls us righteous, holy. We are without spot, wrinkle, or blemish in the eyes of God. I want our musicians and singers to come. We're about to get ready for communion. Don't lose what we're doing right here, hold on to it. Because we can get caught up. The father had two prodigal sons. And you may be here today, and guess what? You may have gotten wounded in the church. I got both hands up. I've been wounded, I've been cut so many times, there's not a place on my body that's not scarred by church people. And guess what? Not only have you probably been wounded, but you have probably wounded somebody else. I've wounded other people, didn't mean to. Sometimes when I preach the word, it offends people, but that's good. Because if we get offended, we drop to our knees and we cry out, Father, I'm not worthy. And he says, oh, yeah, you are. And he runs toward us and he hugs us up. He reconciles us. The account is balanced. He restores us. That which was lost is found. Hallelujah. And he throws a party. The Bible says angels in heaven rejoice. Hallelujah. Today angels are rejoicing because of you. You. It doesn't matter what our wounds are. Jesus had some of the greatest wounds. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. And my peace was upon him. And by his stripes I'm here. The greater father sacrificed for the lesser me and for the lesser you. And he wants you to die as kings. I want you to see yourself the way God sees you. He values you so much. He doesn't care about culture. He'll lift that robe up and come for you. 
All you got to do is say the name of Jesus. He's right there. He loves you so much. Bardwell's message. Join us anytime at pcachurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.